just press in. Press toward the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. We acknowledge you. We acknowledge our need for you. Lord, strengthen hearts today. Strengthen spirits today within us. Strengthen joints. Strengthen feet today. Strengthen our inner man. We choose to look to you. We choose to trust in you. You are our hope. You are that joy that comes in the morning. You are the eternal God who has eternal life for us. Lord, help us to see your glory today. Help us to see a portion of your glory. Glory, bring glory. Bring a lift. Bring a renewing. Bring a restoration revival among our churches, across our land. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. May our eyes be fixed upon you. May people sense that your hand is not too short and you are reaching down to us today. We're reaching back to you, Lord. Hear our cry, O oh Lord. Hear our cry, O oh Lord. Hear our longing within us to be in that presence where you are. As we turn our eyes off this world and unto you. We turn our eyes from the temporal to the eternal and we fix our eyes upon you, Jesus. And Paul wrote in Romans verse 18 from chapter 8, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. 
For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. What is Paul writing? He's describing here that within our life, within this temporary place that we live, there's like a groaning. There's like a longing. There's like a desiring to, to know the things that are eternal, to know that there is a real God and a true God that is coming back for you and I. And just as we are, he's coming just as we are. He's coming for you and I because we have accepted Christ. And whatever is hard right now, Paul reminds us that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared. Whatever what he suffered for us, and then he took our sorrow, our pain, he took our sin upon the cross. Man has messed things up. Sin has entered into the picture. But Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is our hope, and I want to talk today about hope. Hope is something we can have through Christ, because of Christ who lives, because of Christ who set us free, because of Christ who is coming back for us. Our focus, we need to allow ourselves to begin to look beyond the present world and look to the, the future that is coming through Jesus Christ. God is able to go beyond what we could even think or imagine today. God is able to do exceeding abundantly, abundantly and above and beyond all that we ask or think. Our God is able. Ephesians described that we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, but God... But God, being rich in love toward us. I don't know about you, but this world is going to reeking and groaning and moaning and desperation. Turmoil. Turmoil describes it. We need the Savior. Our hope is only hope when we know the Savior. Not knowing about him, but when we know the Savior. <laughs> when we've learned to hear his voice. When we've learned to sense his presence. That he comes to those who cry unto him. You see, the Bible describes in Proverbs that hope deferred her hope deferred makes the heart sick whatever we have had our hopes on on this earth whatever we've had our hopes on on this life it sometimes is so messed up and so thwarted and so confused and so sometimes changed that we say what what is going to happen but there's a hope let me read on verse 24 romans 8 for in hope we have been saved for in hope that is for hope that is seen is not hope. 
For why does one also hope for what he sees? This reminds me much like what we read in Hebrews 11.1. 1. We describe, we describe there in Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. In other words, before it ever happened, you have had a vision of it happening. Before you've seen Jesus, you believed in him. Before you ever got, had a glimpse of heaven, you believe there is a heaven because of the word of God. You are by faith going towards the mark. You are by faith running the course. A lot of times we, we only see that which is, which is trying to destroy us or trying to come against us. And we need to take our eyes off the destroyer and put it on the one who is able to keep us and keep us in his hands always. We must keep the, the help of, we keep the help of the Holy Spirit alive in our heart. We must welcome him into our lives every day. When we put our feet to the ground tomorrow, when we get out of bed tomorrow morning with the Holy Spirit is living within you, will help you and guide you and direct you. When you call upon him, he is there. In hope we have been saved. In hope, and if hope, verse 25, if hope, if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. Some of you have been praying long time for loved ones, long time for different things, different uh, needs in your life. You've been praying for your neighbor. You've been praying for your, your household. You've been praying for missionaries. You've been praying, praying, keep it up. Because this is a part of the calling of the walk that is in Jesus. He didn't call us to sort of kind of coast our way into heaven. He called us to put our hand to the plow. He called us to labor for him. He called us to go into all the worlds and make disciples. The hard work of making disciples is loving people in spite of what they may do to you and I. That's the hard part of making disciples. Loving people in spite of what they may say or do or not do or whatever, fill in the blank. God wants us to choose to love people. So the help of the Holy Spirit is with us. How does he help us? The Holy Spirit, as we learn in this passage, prays through us. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. How many know you have weakness? Man, I, I admit my weakness. My weakness, I don't know how to pray like I should. Or I don't want to pray as I should. And so I need the help of the Holy Spirit. I've heard it said to pray until you pray through, to pray that you know that God has heard. You know that you felt there's something that connected within your spirit. The help of the Holy Spirit prays to you, even though you don't know what to say. Have you ever come to a place in your prayer life where you just wanted to stop and kind of groan? Just kind of groan, just trying to agonize, just trying to, just kind of, just let your emotion, the groaning within your spirit, the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. You, you know that God understands what the spirit is praying through you. God understands it because it's God, the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit are in direct unity with God, the Father and the, 
the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit. They are tri-unity. They are tri. They are in, all in one, yet three. And he searches the heart, knows what the mind of the Spirit is. He searches the heart. He knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Have you thought about this lately, that Jesus intercedes for you and I? Jesus is interceding in heaven for the saints above. You find that in verse 34 as well. Jesus is he who died, yes, rather was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. If you're like me, I know I need all the help I can get when it comes to walking this life and comes to facing obstacles in this life. We need, we need a word from the Lord often. We need a word of encouragement. We need to know that God is with us, and he reminds us every day that he's with us by his help, by the Holy Spirit. And then we read, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. How many times have you read that verse? And you say, well, praise the Lord, God's causing all these things, you know, to work together for good. But I forgot the part that says, for those who love God. Wait a minute. I mean, God's not going to automatically just work everything out, but what he's doing through the process is he's teaching us how to trust him and how to love him more. Love him more than ever before because you, you know you're dependent upon him. You know that... What if God were taken out of the picture? That we wouldn't have a chance, that we wouldn't have a hope for anything, would we? But because God, because of God and his love and his, his mercies that are new every morning, he causes us to have hope, hope that is not based upon what we see, based upon what he has said. When we leave the results up to the Lord, and we will speak this word to our spirits from time to time. We will, we will read it. It will allow our spirit to come be brought into submission to God's Holy Spirit. Amen. That's a good, good way to think about it. But let, us, let our spirits be brought into submission unto God's Spirit. For whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. In whom he predestined, these he also called. In whom he called, these he also justified. In whom he justified, these he also glorified. And Paul is writing to encourage the church in Romans that they, are, they, are, they have a God that is for them. They have a God that is working on their behalf. They have a God that is in control in all situations. They have a God that will have the last word. He will triumph over all. So we read on, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? In other words, who can stand against the Lord? He has no rival. We sing that song. He has no equal. He has no one that is strong enough. God is stronger. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I want us to get a hold of this, catch this just today. Remind ourselves, you know what? God is our hope. You know, things are pretty 
uh, messed up in our world right now. We're, gonna, we're not going to just dwell on that. We, we're aware of that. And guess what? Because man is involved, but it's messed up. Of course it is. Man without God, without the help of God, will only make themselves get into deeper and deeper, will go deeper and deeper in, in the things of the world and, and trying to satisfy. Remember what Paul said to Timothy, the root of all evil, the money is the love of money is the root of all evil. He described to Timothy, you know what, if you have a few things, you have food and raiment, clothing and all that, you, you, you got the Lord, you can be content. And so, let not this world become too grown on you. In other words, when God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, the tragedy of that story so much is that Lot's wife, and the word says her heart was in the city. And as a result, she disobeyed. They were not to look back what God was destroying. And as a result, the scripture says she was turned to a pillar of salt. And I'm reminded of what Byrne said on a Wednesday night here a few months ago when he was teaching about the nation of Israel being exodused out of Egypt, out of the bondage, out of the slavery, out of all the, 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 the strain upon their lives. And it wasn't very far into, after they got into, out of the reach of the enemy and God destroyed Pharaoh's army, you know that story. It wasn't very far along, they began to rethink back well, why is God bringing us out here to perish? And to begin to think back, we had a greater, we had it better in Egypt. And when God is saying, no, you didn't. You see, Vern said it this way. He said, God had to get Egypt out of the, out of the nation of Israel. God had to get the nation of Israel out of out of." nation of Egypt out of, of the Israelites. It was not just enough to move them out of there physically, but there needed to be a spiritual awakening, a spiritual dynamic that happened that only God can do. See, we can, we can do all the right things, say all the right things, have the right motions, but without the help of the Holy Spirit living in us, we, we really are not where we ought to be. God, the Holy Spirit, living in us. The purpose that God is calling us to, the purpose is this, is that what God wants to work through us, what God wants to work in us, that God wants to work in our heart, that nothing will compare, nothing com can come close to you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. And Paul himself described it over in Philippians, the thing about that he was is talking about in chapter 3 is that all those things that he achieved, all those things that he was, that he was uh, 
you know, listing of his credentials, so to speak. He was a Pharisee. He was taught in the law. He had all those things going for him, but none of those things compare to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ, knowing him in his heart, knowing that it was Christ who set him free, knowing that it was nothing that he could have done for himself except that accept the Lord Jesus Christ into his heart. Aren't you glad today that he comes for us, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet not understanding, God is for those people who have never had a chance to hear his message. God cares for those people that are across our, our, our country roads. God cares about those people that you work alongside. God cares about the, the person who works in this marketplace. And it's up to us with the help of the Holy Spirit to be an encouragement to them in Jesus' name. And we can just by the love of God resonating from our hearts being encouragement. The joy that comes from you and I it comes through the help of the Holy Spirit. The joy that goes past our own, even our own personalities. There's still a joy that goes beyond what we can ever muster up to try to be like. There's a joy that resonates within our hearts, knowing that Jesus Christ lives within. And there's nothing, Paul is saying, there's nothing. If God is for us, verse 31, Romans 8, if God is for us, who is against us? In other words, who can separate us from the love of God? And he goes on and describes these things. Who can, can take away our Lord? Who can separate us from the love that Jesus Christ has for us? Tribulation, he asks these questions. Persecution, uh, famine, uh, nakedness, peril, sword. Just as it is written, for thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor power nor height, depth, any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. There is absolutely... Nothing in this life keeps us from the love of God. I would only say this, that our will is thrown in there. And people's will sometimes resist the love of God. But God still loves them and is yearning for them and longing for them to come to be set free be clothed, to be in their right mind, to have the mind of Christ, to have the eyes of, of the Spirit, have them opened to the things that are true, the things that are pure, the things that are good, the things that bring true hope, the things that truly satisfy. We're called for this purpose to love God and to love people. Two, two very important commandments that Jesus described were the greatest, to love God, to love your neighbor. We can't say, if Jerse John described, we can't say we love God and say we hate our brother, that don't go, that don't mix. And so we must walk this love life, this love relationship with Jesus so that 
even people that would not treat us well. We would not let that destroy us. We would not let that bring us to a point where we would give up or resist from going forward and being all that we can be. The enemy would love to discourage if he can, and he will try to do all that he can to keep us from keeping the joy of the Lord. And we know this. We know that we're in a spiritual battle. We know that there are things in this life that are so almost like unbelievable. Unbelievable what we're seeing. Unbelievable the animosity, the things that are happening in our streets. This world needs Jesus. And those who love God, those who walk with God, I believe, are going to keep like the salt that's on the earth. The only chance that our world, our nation, has for any kind of revival is this move of God again, a move of God in the church, a move of God in the streets, a move of God in those houses that are being abuse going on. There's depression in our, in our community. There are things in our young people that are facing like horrendous things, horrendous anxiety. Anxiety is high these days. We need the message of hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. What is it that we're hanging on to? What is it that keeps us from having the joy when we begin to look at the waves in the ocean, when we begin to see this turmoil, we only focus on the things that are negative. We need to fix our eyes upon Jesus. And so there's a promise that Jesus made to you and I. He said that in this life you'll have trouble, but I have overcome. I have overcome. Matthew 6, he describes to us to not to worry about what we're going to wear, what we're going to eat, what we're going to put on. He says, I've, I take care of the birds. I've, I'm there for you. I'll never leave you, forsake you. What is our part? Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom. Very similar. I believe it ties, can be tied right in. When he, we read verse 28 in Romans 8, God causes all things to work together for good. For those who love him, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things shall be added unto you. If I will choose to serve the Lord, choose to trust God, then I'm not saying my life will be perfect, my life will be without. That's not, that's not the idea. That's, never, that's not the gospel. But he'll help me through it. He'll help me to persevere, to press on to press through, to pray through, to believe God. When there's things that are hitting us besides what's going on in the world, when there are health issues, when there are relationships strained, when life in itself seems heavy, how do we go forward? How do we keep the joy? It is this, 
that when we allow God to soak us, maybe it for you is to put on some kind of songs that will help you focus, to fix your eyes. Maybe for you it's is to go in a quiet place and, and just rest in him and just, just think on his word, read his word, meditate upon him. Maybe it's for you, it's, it's to allow God to speak to you. I've had times where I've just asked the Lord, God, I need a word from you. I need a word from you. And what oftentimes, sometimes I don't always hear, I'm sure, but I may sense one word. I may sense he says one word. For example, like, trust me. Trust me. Keep it up. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, friends. We know that. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Guess what? You know the answer. Satan knows his days are short. Satan knows his days are short. Should we be surprised then? Should we really be surprised of what we're seeing on the earth? You know what Jesus said when you see these things happening? When you see the man's heart failing them? What is that all about, Matthew 24? Men's hearts failing them? That's the anguish. That's the stuff they've been hanging on to. All of a sudden, it's, it's worthless. It's the stuff that we've hung on to. You see, people without God, when they come to the end of their life, if they don't have God, they don't have no hope. They don't have no assurance. But Paul reminded us, the Thessalonians, that we are not like those who do not have hope. We are not like the rest. If your loved one dies in Christ, that loved one's going to be resurrected again. We die, they're just sleeping. That's called the blessed hope. Some of you have lost loved ones this year. And those who... You think about them. Those who are in Christ, they're in a better place. But they're, they're yearning us, they're, they're, they're cheering us on, so to speak. They've joined the Hebrews 11, the 12th chapter. They've joined the hall, Hebrews 11, the hall of faith people. They've joined those, those people. There's a cloud of witnesses surrounded because of their faith, because of their walk, because of their perseverance. I think about my own parents. I think about my grandfather who persevered through loss of, a, of his wife and of, of a couple children. I, I think about people who came to this world thinking they had a better life only to find death, only to find struggle. It really comes down to this. With God, there is hope for the impossible. Where there's God, there is life. Where there is God, there is forgiveness. In Jeremiah 29, 11, I'll leave you with these thoughts so I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for calamity, 
to give you a future and a hope. I want us to think about that. Some of us have lived longer than others. Wherever you're at with your walk with Jesus, he still has plans. He still has uh, your welfare in his, in his hands, in his sight. He still has a future, a future. Those who have, we have people in our church that have children and people that have grandchildren, probably people that have great-grandchildren. We can say with, with assurance, faith, because there is a God in heaven, there is a hope for our children. We're not going to buy into this because what's happening in the earth and what the enemy is. Oh, my word. Jesus is stronger. Bring your children up in the fear of the Lord. Bring them up in the discipline of the Lord. Love them, encourage them, and let the Lord raise up an army. I'm so excited of what's happening in our, our colleges, our our Christian colleges and colleges, people, that Christians that are standing and taking a standing for him. That's what's going to change this world. Because God is not done with us. It's not over till it's over. It's not over till it's over. The Lord is going to have the last word. He said it someday he's going to say it's enough. You're coming home. We're going to be with the Lord. It's enough. Let's trust him. And I wanted to sing that song.